Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. It's so good to see all of you guys here today. Um, today, last week was such a wonderful day. It was our three-year anniversary, and um, it was such a great day, a lot of fun another packed house. God's doing something great at Encounter Church, and I'm so glad to have all of you guys a part of what's happening here and, and in this city, in this neighborhood. It's just it's just wonderful. Uh, but the week before our anniversary, we started a series called Still Standing, and uh, it, in our last series before that, we had a series called Standing Ovation, and that series was all about um, learning about why do we worship? Why do we sing songs at church? And we really began to understand that the point of singing at church is all about worshiping God. And, and, it's, and it's, it's giving to him the glory that he deserves. And when we do that, we also connect with him in a way that is powerful and it changes our lives. And we said in the first week that now that we're standing in worship, now that we've given him a standing ovation with our hearts, with our voices, and with our lives, we want to ask a new question. And that question is, is there more to worship than just singing songs? Is worship just about Sunday morning singing or is there more to that? And uh, today we're continuing that series where we're exploring the words of Jesus. We're taking it right from the source. And I think we're going to discover some meaningful ways that we can worship beyond our songs our words. And so we began our series two weeks ago, and the big idea for that day was this, that the things that we do are just as much a part of worship as the things that we say, okay? So it's not just about, God, you're awesome, you're good, I praise you, I thank you. We also worship him by living our lives and acting uh, and giving him our behaviors as well. In fact, in Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So he's like, worship God. That is right. Give him the glory he deserves. He says, but a second commandment is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so we found out, we discovered that, that Jesus actually equates following him with servanthood and that we truly worship God when we give more than just our songs to him, but also when we give of ourselves in acts of service. Now this week, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the words of Jesus. And we're going to ask this question, why is it important to be a servant? Why is it important? Why does Jesus talk about it all the time? We talk a lot about serving at church. We talk a lot about serving in our communities, serving in our homes. Why is it so important? Why does Jesus talk about it so much? You know, I went to college in Lakeland, Florida, not a great place personally. Um, It was right in between the coasts. Um, the, the beaches were on either side. And so it was very humid and hot. I didn't enjoy it very much, but I went to school at a school called Southeastern university. And while I was there studying to become a pastor, learning how to, you know, to learn pastoral theology and, and counseling and all those types of skill sets. Uh, one of the requirements of my school was that I had to, to participate in some ministry, real life ministry, um, to get training, you know, kind of outside of classrooms, sort of like a practice, if you will. And, uh, I didn't really enjoy living in Lakeland, but one of the best things that came out of it was a relationship that I had forged in that ministry experience. The first ministry experience I had was at a place called Scott Lake Baptist Church. And while I was there, my first job, uh, while I was still in school as a minister, was to be the worship uh, leader for a small youth group. Can you imagine that, Jared, as the worship leader? Yeah, I played guitar, and I thought I was all cool. Um, 
But the, the pastor, the youth pastor of that church was named was Don Dodge. Don is a good friend of mine and has made such a powerful impact on my life. Uh, and the reason for that is, is because every week he would take me out to get pizza. And it wasn't just because of the pizza, although the pizza was really good. But when we were there every week, he would talk to me about leadership and about faith and about ministry. He became a mentor. He actually would take me out on a regular basis. And I didn't really realize it at first. I thought we were just going and hanging out. I thought that maybe it was part of my job. But over time, what happened was is that he began to inspire me and awaken things inside of me that I didn't even really know existed. I had a passion for leadership and managing people. And I began to read all of these books that he was recommending because every week he poured into my life. We had great conversations. I asked questions. And then by the time I got to my junior and senior year, I had read most of the textbooks, the leadership books already, because they were so popular, but I, my heart was just stirred for those things. And so Don, over the years, has supported us as we were launching our, this church. He has been present in my life. He's encouraged us. He actually donated money to help us get started. Don has made such an impact in my life. He's been such a mentor, and I'm forever grateful for how he took time to teach and invest in me. But what, what would have happened if I had spent all that time eating pizza with Don, but never took any of the things that he said and applied them to my life? What would have happened if, if I had spent all that time with him and all the, all the discussions about ministry and, and how, to, how, to, how to lead people effectively and how to minister properly? What if all that information just went in one ear and right out the other? Would I be here today as your pastor? Would, would you guys be in the place you are spiritually in your walk of faith without this church that if I hadn't taken those steps those days? I, I don't know. Think about a time when someone spent time with you or when someone mentored you or did something for you that you couldn't do on your own. Think about that for a second. What impact has that made on your life? For some of you, think about it. You can think of there's a person who just made such an impact on your life. Think about that person. What if they weren't there? Or what if you didn't learn the lesson that they were giving to you? Would you still be here today without it? Would you, where would you be in your life? So we're asking the question, why is it important for us to be servants? What is the heart behind it? What I want to do today is I want to read a parable that Jesus told in Matthew 25. A parable is like a metaphor, it's a story. Jesus told a lot of stories that were, that were signifying uh, truths or principles. And so we're going to read a parable in Matthew 25. And I think we're going to find the answer to our question, what's the heart behind serving? Matthew 25, it's in the, the first book of the New Testament. It'll also be on the screen here. Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30, we're going to read this, this parable that Jesus told. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated... By the story of a man going on a long trip, he called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. And after a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. 
The master was full of praise. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master again said to him, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. But then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, harvesting crops that you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew that I harvested crops that I didn't plant and you gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from his servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they will have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow, that's pretty harsh at the end there. We're asking this question. Why is it important for us as followers of Jesus to be servants? This passage of scripture is an interesting parable that gives us a story in Jesus's perspective on servanthood. It tells a story of three men who were given valuable resources and then the master's response when he sees what each of them did with the the resources that he was given. He praises the men who did something with what they were given and then he chastises the one who didn't do anything with it. And, you know, the more that I read this passage of Scripture, the more that I really see that it's about investment, specifically honoring the investment of the master. And this parable, I believe, tells us Jesus' heart behind serving. If you're taking notes, here's the big idea for the day. This is the thing that the entire message hinges on. Write this down. Investing what you have in others honors God's investment in you. Investing what you have in in, in others honors God's investment in you. We see in this story, this parable, that these men, all of them were given something and told to go do something with it, but only a couple of them did. But the one didn't, and the problem wasn't the money. The problem was he didn't honor the investment that God had made in him. And in our lives, we're asking this question, what is the heart behind serving? What is the heart behind it? Why is it so important for us to serve? Why does Jesus talk about serving all the time? Jesus said that the master was so pleased with his servants in what he invested, when he, they invested what he had given them. But what was it that made the, the master angry? What was it that, that caused him to want to, to throw him out and to fire him as a servant, essentially? It was that he didn't do anything with what he was given. He wasted the investment that God had made in him. So what does this passage mean to us? Why is it so important for us to be a servant? It's because God has given each one of us, you and me, skills, abilities, talents, passions. And he sees those things as an investment in us. God sees who we are and all the things he's given us, the unique set of abilities and skills. He's given them to us, and he sees them as an investment in each one of us. He's chosen us. He's called each of us to now invest what we've been given to give that back to other people to the lives of those around us. And when we do that, we are honoring God's investment. Investing what you have in others honors God's investment 
in you. So what does it look like to honor God's investment? I want to kind of dig into this passage. I want to read a little bit more. There's a couple principles that I really feel like um, God would say to us today in terms of how we stand and worship him and how we can serve. The first thing that I see in the scripture is this. We can honor God's investment by giving from what we have been given. Let's read verse 15 again. Check it out on the screen. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, but dividing it up in proportion to their abilities. Here's what we see. Jesus didn't draw comparison between the three guys. He didn't say, oh, well, you're better than them, so you get five, and you're weaker, so you're only getting one. In fact, the only thing that Jesus compared was the result, what they did. It wasn't having anything to do with their skill set. It said it was divided up proportionately, so each person from what they could handle based on their track record, right? But it's not about the other guy. It's not about what the other guy has, It's not about what the other person has inside of them. They're only judged by what they have been given. And nowhere in this passage does Jesus assign any value to their skill sets. All he does is call them to be servants, and each one was given. And here's what I would say to us is that each one of us are called to be servants, and we are given the same task. Every one of the three guys were given the same task. And we are each called to the same thing, to use what God has given us to invest in what is important to the master. For some of us, that's music. Some of you have musical capabilities. We see it on stage here. Some people have the the ability to write songs or to play songs and to be able to channel music into and direct it towards worship. Some people have that. Other people have hospitality. Their their strengths or the the skills or the talents that they have are geared around opening their home or or making welcoming environments and making people feel like like happy to be around and and going out of their way to, to bring people or going and visiting people who are in need. Some people are good at cooking and making food and, and, and feeding the soul in that way. Others have artistic abilities. Some people are good with technology. Others are good with business sense and have an understanding of how to create momentum and be able to give strategy to things, right? Other people have have gifts of generosity. Some of you are called to to be big givers and to dive in with so much more money than other people can because that's what you're good at. You're good at investing and, and sharing those things. Some of you are good at craftsmanship and using your hands. Others are good at teaching and helping people understand and train translating things that are difficult to understand. Some of you have kindness in you. Others are intelligent. You see, there are so many different ways and different gifts and skills inside each of you. Each of you has been invested in by God with unique capabilities. And our tendency is to look at the servant with the five and to go, he was better than me, or he was better than all of us. And to think that he was special, but Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't look at the guy with the five and goes, well, I gave all of you some money to invest, but really my, my, my cards are on this guy. Like, he didn't do that. He actually looked at each of them and said, you are all my servants. I have to go away. I'm trusting you. And now all of you do the same thing. But our tendency is to look at the one guy and to think that because I can't play a guitar or because I can't stand on stage and preach that I don't have anything to offer. And that's just not true. We all have something that we can offer. And each servant who used their gift and who invested what, and honored their investment received the exact same response from their master when he returned. And that was, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's party. Let's celebrate. Each of them got that except for the one guy who didn't do anything. He didn't, it didn't respond to the master's call. 
So the first thing that we want to do to honor God's investment is to give from what we have been given. You and I have been given something unique. We worship God and we honor his investment in our lives when we give from what each one of us has been given. The second thing is this that I see in this passage in verse 21 is that faithfulness leads to greater responsibility and reward. Faithfulness leads to greater responsibility and reward. Verse 21, he says to him, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. You see, when we are faithful to what God has given us, when we're faithful to being obedient and to whatever it is, whatever God has given to us, God opens up other opportunities. We see that principle at work in our regular lives, right? If you do a good job at your workplace, you create opportunities for yourself to be given greater opportunities in promotions or perhaps raises, right? We understand this principle. It's all throughout Scripture, though, too. Everywhere in Scripture, we see the principle of, of sowing and reaping. But we're asking about more. What is more what? I guess the question we would say is, like, if, if, if you're faithful to, to honoring God's investment of our serving in him, what exactly can we expect more of? We can expect more responsibility, more purpose, and more reward. We talk at our church about this thing called the blessed life concept. And a lot of people, when they hear the word blessed, they think certain things. But really what we've talked about, it's the concept of sowing and reaping. It's when I align myself, when all of us align ourselves with what our master wants, when I, when I align myself with the principles of God, when I get close to Jesus, the Bible makes it clear that when we do the things that are closest to him, when we align ourselves with what's most important to God, our life then reaps the benefit of the favor and blessing of God on our lives. It's the same thing with my kids. When my kids do all the things they're supposed to do, I am much more apt to, to, to take care of them, to give them extra things, right? That's the concept of sowing and reaping. When I sow into something that is important to God, I reap the fruit of that thing, right? These servants, they weren't like just guys. They lived in the house of the master, and so when they got to work for him, they also reaped the benefit of the house of the master. Perhaps they had a pool. Perhaps they got to eat the master's food off of his table. Whereas if they were just in their own place, they probably had a shack somewhere and they probably were eating scraps from somewhere or the cheapest food they could get. They lived in the master's house and because they served well, they were given greater responsibility. This is, the, this is what Jesus said in this passage. Now, we're not talking about a prosperity gospel here. This is not a tit-for-tat concept. It's not like, oh, well, if I go and serve this person, then God's going to pay my financial bills. That's not what we're saying. But we are saying this concept is that when you please the Father, he rewards his children with good gifts. That when you are responsible with what you have been given, you will grow in areas of responsibility. You will find more purpose in your life you will find that God will take care of your problems and will take care of your situations. Why? Because you have been given a task. So the master's responsibility is to clear the path for you to do your job. And so as we do the things that are the most important to God, as we love people, as we love God, as we serve his church, as we serve his world, what happens is, is he is pleased with us and he clears the path of the things that are holding us back. He wants each of us to have purpose in life. He wants each one of us to, to feel like we matter on this planet. He wants each of us to be able to look at the end of our day and say, well done, my servant. You did what I asked you to do. I love you. Let's celebrate. Most of us stop just short of the let's celebrate part. They go, well, if I do right, then God's going to give me more responsibility. Great. That's more work on my shoulders. No, no. He doesn't stop there. He says, let's party. 
Let's celebrate. Celebrating is good. That means, all right, you did your job. Let's go over here and hang out and have a barbecue in the backyard. Like that's, that's what a celebration is. It's not all work. It's work and play. When we are in the relationship with Jesus Christ, we want to encounter God every day in real life. And so this, is, this passage of scripture is not just, the, not just the work that's related. It's also the benefits and the blessing that comes from serving God. It's awesome. And when we are faithful to what's important to him, we will see his blessing and breakthrough in our lives. But we have to do what's important to him. What's important to God? We, th- we see throughout scripture two things that are primarily important to God. The first is the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. You see it all throughout the, uh, all throughout the New Testament. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's called his bride. You know that one day Jesus is coming back to claim his bride? That passage of scripture that talks about, in, I think it's in Matthew with the bridegrooms, like the, the, the bridesmaids are waiting for the groom to come. And that's, that's talking about those people, the church, those who are waiting for the Son of Man to come back one day. The Bible talks about the bride of Christ all the time. It talks about how the church of Jesus Christ is like his beloved. It is the thing that he cares about. And so if we want to honor God, if we want to honor him and we want to worship him with our actions to serve, we need to be just as mindful about his church, his bride, as as he is. He, we, want, we want him to look spotless. We want that bride's dress to look gorgeous. We want when people come to the wedding to see the bride looking, just looking nice and looking great. We want the place to be welcoming. That's why we have guests uh, outside, the guest services team out front. That's why we have a technology team. That's why we have a worship team. We do everything to make the bride of Christ, the wedding day of Jesus, so people come here and they have a chance to meet Jesus for the first time. We do all of this to create every space that's wonderful and kick every barrier out of the way so that people will know who Jesus is. And if we want to serve God, if we want to be faithful in our lives, we have to pay the same attention to his house as, as he does. Jesus said that the, that the world, the Bible talks about how the church is the, the greatest vehicle for salvation to the entire world. Like, this is it, guys. Like, we are the church, the building and its people. And so when we put priority on, on giving of our lives to serve it, blessing comes from that space. The second thing that he's also important to God is the lost and the broken. So we see two things. We see that, that, that Jesus cares about his church, and we see that he also cares about the lost and the broken. And that's why our church does outreach. That's why we do missions. That's why we're going around the world to share the gospel with people. That's why we have an egg hunt coming up on the 15th where we serve families. That's why we had a a Thanksgiving dinner a couple years ago. That's why we pour money into outreach and into missions because as a church, we care about what God cares about and as the people who don't know him. And in our personal lives, if we want to be faithful to God in serving, we have to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to align myself with God is, is, thinks is important with what his priorities are. And that means I'm going to get involved and go out into the streets and I'm going to serve the lost and the hurting and the broken. That means I'm going to serve at the egg hunt. That means that I'm going to donate candy. That means that I'm going to go out and, jo- and help uh, at, a, at a food kitchen. That means that I'm going to take responsibility when I see needs to meet them. You see what I'm saying? Because Jesus said that you, us as disciples, are going to do even greater things than he did. You can't call yourself a follower of Jesus if you, don't, if you don't align yourself with the things that are the most important to him, right? It's like, a step, it's like a stepfather who doesn't like the kids of his wife. 
I mean, think about that. Like, we have to do what the one that we've said we're following. But the beauty of it is, is that when we are faithful in serving those things, we will see God's favor working on our behalf. That's how it works. We sow into what's important to God, and we will reap the benefits of living in his house. Faithfulness leads to greater responsibility and reward. So we've seen these three things, these two things. Give from what you've been given. How do we honor God's investment in our lives? We give from what we have been given. We Faithfulness leads to greater responsibility and reward. And before we finish, I wanted to say, wanted to examine that last guy. When we don't, this is what happens. We miss out on what God wants to do in and around us. Verse 27, this is interesting. He said, why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. You see, it wasn't about the money though. Jesus was not talking about money. And even for the master, it really wasn't about money. He had all the money he needed, right? He was rich. He had servants. He had everything he needed. He'd just gone on a long trip. I mean, he had everything that he needed. It wasn't about money. It was about opportunity. And here's what happens. The servant put the money in the ground and he hid it. But what happened in that case? No one benefited from it. Not a single person. The servant didn't benefit. Not the master. Not even anybody else. No one around him. We all know the principle of economics. If I go to the store and I give money there, part of that money goes back into the paychecks of the people who work there. It goes into the economy. It pays for the roads. It pay, you know, you understand what I'm saying? But if you have money and you do nothing with it, the guy just put it in the ground and hid it, no one benefited from it. Not anyone, not a single person. In fact, it actually was a waste because of inflation purposes. He didn't make money. He actually lost money on the process. By the time he got the money back, it was worth less to him. It was an opportunity. It was a missed opportunity for growth. It's missed opportunities for learning and for relationships. When we don't honor God and we don't honor his investment in us, when we have gifts and skills and interests and talents and abilities, when we have these things and we don't use them for the glory of God, we are missing out on opportunities. It's wasted. When we don't invest our gifts in the church and in the world, what's lost is opportunity. Here's some three things that I wrote down about this. We rob ourselves from the blessing of purpose and participating in Christ's redeeming work to the world. We are not participating. We rob our world of blessing, of seeing God's handiwork within you and miss out on opportunities to show the world how God loves them through the message that you are uniquely equipped to deliver. There are people in our world, people in our world who, who, who will hear the message of Jesus through your cupcakes. They will hear the message of Jesus through when you help them build something. They will hear the, the words of Jesus when you, when you are helping them write a budget for their, for their financial plan at home. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are people who will not hear what I say because they'll never come to church, but you know them every day. And if you're not going to use what you have and try to find ways to use it strategically to tell people about the hope of Jesus Christ, they're missing out on the message that you're uniquely equipped to give them. And finally, we rob God of the pleasure of seeing his own kids live how he created you and I to be. We miss out on the opportunity to participate in the awesome plan that God has for our lives and for those around us. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but that's what's in the passage, right? We see the two guys who all three of them were given the same job. All three of them were given resources. Two of them said, Here's, I did my best. And the master was so happy it had nothing to do with the output. It had to do with their, their willingness to give what they had been given. And they were faithful with it. And now the Bible implies that they will be given greater responsibility, greater, more. But the one guy 
he was like, I gave you your money back. And he was expecting like, I hit it. I, I did something. I was worried, you know, that I would screw up or that I would fail. And how many of us are like that? We're like, I don't get involved because I don't think I'm very good at it. Or I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if I should serve there or I don't really have the time. I, I'm worried that I'll screw this thing up or I'm not going to be good enough to do it. That's what the servant did. And instead of him going, it's okay, he was frustrated. He was frustrated with the servant because he, he wasted what the master had felt like. I have put something in you. How dare you question what I gave you? I'm the master. You're not. That's kind of what I see it as. Like if, if, I, didn't, if I didn't get up and give God the, the words out of my mouth, if I didn't take all the training and all the mentoring that I had received from my friend Don and I did not apply it today, I feel like God would be up there looking at me going, Jared, I gave you so much. And if I sat at home and I said, I just, I don't, I'm not going to do anything because I'm worried that I won't do it well. It's not that he is angry with me because I didn't, it's, it's, the issue is that he feels like I've, I'm the master and I have told you that what you have is worthwhile. It is valuable. Who you are as a person don't look at the guy over here or the girl over there. You are valuable and everything that I've put inside of you matters. And what he's asking each of us to do is say, what's my place in his church? What's my place in his world? How can I be a servant and worship God with my actions? Why is it important for us to be servants? Because investing what we have in others honors God's investment in you. You know, they say that imitation is the highest form of flattery. Well, let us strive to imitate Jesus in serving. And by doing so, we give him the greatest worship. As we close today, let's look at our, our next steps. How can we apply this principle of honoring God's investment in our lives today? If we want to experience this, what I would say to you is this. Consider what gifts that you have been given to serve with. Think about it. Like, what are the things that you like to do, the things that you're interested in, the things that you have fun doing? What are your hobbies? And then just think about, how could I serve God with those things? Just this past week, there's been a couple people who have said that they love to make cupcakes and they love to cook. And I keep highlighting that because that's kind of what came up this week. But you know what? You can serve those. Last Sunday on our anniversary, we had cupcakes and they were made by someone in our church who can cook. They served God. They served the church by giving something of themselves. I know we have businessmen in the house. I know that we have people who have all sorts of different gifts and abilities. I would ask that you would just ask yourself that question. What gifts have you been given that you can serve with? If you want to learn more about serving with our hands, giving of ourselves faithfully, 1 Peter chapter 4.10, some of you like to dig deeper in this. You can explore this yourself. Colossians 3.23 and 24. In Galatians 5, 13 and 14, all of those are passages, and there's many more that talk about this idea of honoring what God has given us to serve other people, using what we have been given to serve his church and serving the world. And finally, what's, what are some things we can actually do to express this principle? I want to honor God's investment in my life. What can I do? I would say to you to join the dream team, serve on our dream team. We have people in our church every Sunday who come faithfully. They get up in the morning so that they can make the bride of Christ beautiful so that people can meet Jesus. That's what we do here. And there are so many ways that you can use your skills and gifts to do that on a Sunday morning. We have a cafe team. If you like food, then that's an opportunity for you to help people meet Jesus. 
You can serve by helping with our signs. You can join the worship team. You can join our, our team who does digital media. You can help greet people. There's so many things you can do on the Dream Team. You can serve at our events. There's all sorts of ways that you can serve and join in the, the process of being faithful to serving Jesus. And you can also serve at the Big Hunt. We need people to help. We need to say, God, I am aligning myself with what's important to you. There are going to be a thousand people who are going to come who are going to need to know you. And I'm going to give them a hot dog and tell them that God loves them. I'm going to stand at the entrance of the bounce house and make sure that kids are safe and having a good time. And you know why that's important? Because for five minutes in the middle of that thing, I'm going to get up and I'm going to tell people about the hope of Jesus Christ. And I believe that God is going to meet them there. And you're a part of that because I'm using my gifts to preach the gospel and you're using your gifts to welcome families who need welcoming. Do you understand how that works? When we all work together, it's powerful. So what I want you to do is this. On your connection card, I'd like you to respond. If you're willing to join the dream team, if you're willing to serve at the egg hunt, I want you to check the box that says, I would like to join the team. And there's a slot there that you can just write something and someone will reach out to you. I want to challenge you today to do that. If you want to say, I want to serve Jesus, I want to be a part of what God is doing in Encounter and in this city, I want to serve his church and I want to serve the world and be faithful in it, I want you to check that off and drop it in the box and we will get you connected. I promise you, you will find passion, you will find purpose, and God will reward you. He will give you more in your life because that's what he does. Would you stand with me and we're going to pray together? Jesus, thank you for your example in our lives. Thank you that you have showed us how to live properly, how to give of ourselves to, to what matters most. It can be hard. It can be difficult for us to see beyond the things that are going on in our lives. It's difficult. Bills to pay and a job that's frustrating and family problems, not getting enough sleep, all these different things that many of us feel like we struggle with. And then to think about giving of ourselves in extra ways to serve other people, to serve your church, to serve our communities, it sometimes feels like too much. But God, I, I pray that you would speak to each one of us right now. That you, would, that you would soften our hearts to hear that this is the thing that you've called us to be. You've called us to serve you as we serve other people. We love you and we're thankful for it. Thank you for teaching us. God, we want to be the faithful servants. We want to be the ones who, who you can trust, you can rely on. The ones that when you need something done, you say, hey, Jared, I need your help with something. I've got a job for you. That's what I want my life to be. And I know that so many of us in the room want to be able to be called upon. And God, for those of us in the room who feel like the guy who didn't do his thing, I pray that you would show them grace and mercy and love, that you would say, it's okay, you can still be faithful. Just start today. Thank you, God, that you never give up on us. Thank you that there's always more for us, that there's always something greater, that even we can start with one talent, one. We don't have to be the five. We can be the three or we can be the one. We can even be the half, God. Just take what we have. Help us to give it to you. We trust you with our lives. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.